Oh, wait. Um, are we talking about the Blue Jays first? You'll know. Yeah. You'll know. You'll know. <laughs> uh, good morning, and welcome to episode 130 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from baseballperspectus.com. I'm Sam Miller. I'm with Ben Lindbergh, and today we are with a special guest, the author of the Toronto Blue Jays chapter of the Baseball Prospectus Annual, Matthew Corey. Matthew Corey, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> it's like R.A. Dickey. Uh, I'm good. How are you, Sam? How are you, Ben? I'm very well. By the way, uh, our, our second guest, I feel like it would be polite to introduce our, our second guest also, even though it Agreed. comes later. Uh, our, our later guest will be Brendan Kennedy from the Toronto Star, who will also cool. be talking about the Blue Jays, coincidentally enough. Great. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Yes. Um, uh, okay, so should I ask a question? Yeah. Can, I think, you, yeah right. can I complain first? Sure. Yeah. I, I'd like a more rockin' intro, like like um, <laughs> you know, like like the one you guys do for the for the other guys. Mm-hmm. Oh, we yeah. we had very little. <laughs> we had nothing to do with that intro. That is beyond our our capabilities of uh, of audio editing. Well, I'll just say it's awesome, and then I'll be quiet and let you ask me questions. I feel like that intro, the intro for the squeeze, had a budget, and we don't have a budget. <laughs> No, we just find a clip of a toilet flushing or something and call it a day. <laughs> That's perfect. I hope you use that one. I think we have already. We have. I try yeah. not to repeat. I've, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, so, Matt, um, uh, most people probably don't know the schedule for writing this book, but we actually start in uh, around uh, the beginning of October. Um, and Theoretically. Usually, Theoretically, and some of the first chapters are actually due in early November and mid-November, although they do get edited uh, and modified as the off-season happens. So you would have probably been knee-deep in the Blue Jays when everything erupted in mid-slash-late November. Uh, and I, I'm just curious, what what was your uh, angle on the Blue Jays, or what was your, your take on the state of the Blue Jays going to be at that point? Um. Uh- <laughs> actually i wasn't writing the chapter at that point in time so um i didn't uh i can't really answer that question by, by the time the chapter had come to me i uh the, the trades had happened and so um i had to rework it based on the based on the trades but um i that those had already happened so it was it was pretty easy to come up with something to talk well, about i guess a lot or, yeah a lot of a lot of people don't know how the baseball prospectus <laughs> annual is written including me <laughs> Sometimes chapters get passed around midstream. Uh, so okay, so let's let's do a thought experiment. <laughs> if you had been uh, writing the chapter at that time, or let's just say that that the Blue Jays hadn't made all these moves and they had just sort of brought back most of the team from last year and maybe signed a free agent or two, but hadn't traded for the entire Miami Marlins and R.A. Dickey, would they have been significantly Better, do you think, if they had just kind of stood pat? Was was a lot of what hurt them last year injuries that probably wouldn't have cropped up to the same extent again? I, I think injuries were a big part of, of last year's Blue Jays squad, unfortunately for them. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so from that standpoint, I think they had, you know, ways to go, even if they brought back, ways to improve, even if they brought back the same squad. Um, I mean, obviously they didn't. Um, but you know, they, um, they lost a, a good portion of Jose Bautista. I think he played 90 games or so. Um, and they lost 
I mean, almost more pitching than you can imagine. Um, losing Batista was huge. I, I put a chart in the in the chapter, the annual, about how the uh, the Blue Jays uh, scoring uh, changed after they. Uh, and I'm trying to look it up while I'm talking here. Um, after Batista went down, um, when they had Batista in the lineup, they scored almost five runs a game without um, Batista in the lineup. It went. It dropped to three point seven seven. So um, they lost over a run a game um, without Batista in the lineup. I'm not sure Batista was. I'm, you know that, that. Anyway, I'm not sure Batista was was worth. Um, you know, one point two runs a game, but um, it was a it was a big loss. Uh, so I think if they brought back a healthy squad, they would be uh, a better team this year. I don't think people would be talking about. I don't think people would be talking about them as you know the best team in in um, the AL East though, mm-hmm. which. Some people are making that uh, that statement now. And should they be? Um, I think the AL East is really up in the air this year. I think the Blue Jays have as good a shot as anybody. Um, but I think they, you know, it, sort of lost in the excitement of their trades um, is the fact that they traded for some people who have some some questions, uh, you know, associated with them. Um, you know, Jose Reyes is an incredible talent, but, um, last year was the first time that he's been healthy, uh, you know, for a full season since like 2008. And he, um, is moving to a a stadium. He's going to play his home games on, you know, cement covered with felt. And that's going to be iffy, um, maybe for him. Uh, and, uh, yeah, just totally lost my train my train of thought on that one. <laughs> You're saying that the uh, the cement field is not therapeutic for hamstring problems. Yeah, it's probably. Is, not. Hmm. I, I, I would buy that. that. I would. I, I'll buy that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. I, yeah. Why has why did this uh, happen this winter? Do you think it's not there's not a new GM, there's not a new owner, uh, and yet suddenly the Blue Jays are this juggernaut that is signing and and trading for everyone is it i I mean do you get a sense of why this is happening now or who's sort of driving this uh, this ramping up of i I think there's there's a couple things i think um you know one is you know their core uh is uh is i guess aging a little bit i mean you know bautista is you know this incredible talent um but uh, they have him signed, I guess, for another t- three years, two or three years. Um, he'll be 32 this coming year. You know, Edwin Encarnacion uh, had an amazing year last year. Um, I don't know if he's going to repeat that. They signed him to an extension. Um, but uh, also, I think they sort of saw a window, both in the age of, of some of their main players, um, as well as, uh, you know, their minor league system and, and where some where the marketability of, of some of their um, better prospects. Um, that may be combined with the fact that they haven't been that great a team over the last like uh, three years since um, you know Anthopoulos has been there. Um, you know he gets a lot of plaudits from um, I think that's a word uh, from the sabermetric community. But you know the one thing that that team hasn't really done is win a lot of games yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure there was some pressure from you know inside the organization to improve. Uh, the major league squad significantly. Um, and I don't think anyone's arguing that, that he didn't. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to read the argument that he didn't 
improve the squad. <laughs> that would be a tremendous piece. Um, well, I was looking for, um, you know, when I was writing it, I was trying to, to you know, research uh, a, like, a, you know, different opinions uh, on the on the uh, on the team. And everybody sort of universally, uh, you know, loved the trade and, and not only what uh, what the trades they didn't just love the trades for the trades themselves. They, they loved it for the way that the players fit into the current roster. There are some intriguing players on this team that I'm, I'm just scanning down their depth charts. Uh, players who either had down years last year or had very much up years. And I think a lot of people are maybe wondering uh, what their 2013s will look like. Um, do you have any opinion? I guess we can start with uh, Edwin Encarnacion. Do you see him sustaining his, his Batista-esque breakout? I think it's hard to think he's going to do the same thing he did last year just because he's never done it before. Um, so I, I think the, you know, the smart bet is that he'll be, uh, you know, he'll, he won't be quite as good. Um, but I don't think that there's anything necessarily, you know, in his performance to say that, um, you know, he's going to, he's going to fall apart. He got really hit lucky or um, something along those, those lines. So I'm expecting him to be, you know, pretty good this cup this coming year, but he's probably not gonna um, you know slug 560 and get on base uh, you know 38 percent of the time like he did last season. Are you optimistic about Colby Rasmus at all, or has his uh, has his star sort of faded? He's still relatively young, um, and he has you know he has some pop in his bat. Um, I think I think he can improve. I, I don't I don't know that he's going to be the star that people thought maybe he would be, um, but I don't see why he can't be you know an average to above average uh, you know center fielder. Um, and and you know with the star power that the Blue Jays have elsewhere, um, I, he doesn't really have to be. He doesn't have to carry the team. So they've uh, cleared the way for uh, J.P. Arancibia um, with the trade of Darno and uh, the trade of uh, Jeff Mathis, who uh, we talked about. They actually were reluctant to give up. and uh, <laughs> That was funny. <laughs> uh, later, the trade of Buck. So um, what uh, – I mean, do you think this was a, um, a vote of confidence in Arancibia, or is it just uh, that they had to give up? all their catchers to get the stuff that they needed elsewhere and that Aaron CB is going to be thrown in there. Um, you know, cause that's who they got. I think it's more of the second. Um, I don't think, I don't think anyone jumping up and down, uh, you know, for Aaron Sebia, but you know, Darno was, was, uh, I forget if he was their best prospect or their second, but, um, he, uh, you know, he was, he was incredibly marketable, uh, you know, minor league prospect. And, um, so I, I think he wasn't traded because he was a catcher. He was traded because he was a really marketable minor league prospect. Um, I think I don't think they see Aaron Sebia as a giant hole in you know in the lineup, um, but uh, he might be. <laughs> yeah, his uh, his top uh, Pakota comps are uh, Hector Villanueva and Carlton Fisk. So you can. <laughs> probably say that he'll be somewhere in between that's possible so i've gotten the sense from talking to some blue days fans that 
this team is sort of a sleeping giant, I guess, economically or financially, and that their winning would possibly pay off in a greater way because they have the, the Canadian market such as it is to themselves and and have a, a large market in Toronto that maybe they haven't fully exploited or, or haven't lately because they haven't been so successful at. Do you think that they have a big boost in in attendance or, or profitability coming soon? That's hard to say. Um, I definitely think that if the team wins a lot of games, they'll you know they might get it. They might get that big boost. Mm-hmm. Um, if, you know if if Reyes gets hurt and Johnson underperforms and uh, you know et cetera et cetera, and they end up as an you know 83 win team. I, that probably you know isn't going to happen, and people will say it's the same old team. Um, but I, I definitely think there is something to you know the fact that um, you know the Blue Jays play in a you know one of the biggest markets in in uh, Major League Baseball markets in North America. I forget if it's fourth or fifth, um, but it, it's really big. I mean, in, in terms of uh, you know just uh, population, and you know, they're like, like you noted there, there's not another major league baseball team in Canada. So, you know, they should have a, a pretty wide reaching, uh, you know, fan base at this point. There are hockey uh, teams though. I hear there are, but they don't play in the, well, they don't play in the most of the summertime. Most of them don't play at all in the summertime. That is true. <laughs> some of uh, them don't even play in the wintertime some years. That's true. Depending on the labor situation. Um, but the blue Jays, I, I'm looking at their, um, at the cots page and, and they've never had a hundred million dollar payroll. Um, before and and that is kind of uh, I mean they they will this year but um, what does their that, payroll project to be right now roughly does it it's, I I wanted to say 113 million um, that's what Cot says 113 million mm-hmm. um, they still have uh, additional um, that doesn't include you know like Kyle Drabeck and and uh, Brett Cecil David Cooper et cetera et cetera but um, yeah so uh, but about uh, $14 million bigger than it's ever been, which I guess is something. That's still surprisingly low. Yeah, it kind of is, isn't it? I mean, for the city uh, and, you know, the the support, I think a lot of us remember, you know, the good Blue Jay teams of the early 90s and, you know, how they, I think they broke, you know, uh, four, was it uh, 4 million fans? Um, and uh, now, now they're lucky to get around 2 million. So I, I think it's... I think it is a, a sleeping giant, you know, to a, to a certain extent. If they have a, if they put a good team on the field, like, you know, they'll get, uh, they'll probably have a lot of support, and that that might feed upon itself. They can they could then, uh, you know, take some of that money and and put it back into uh, payroll. All right, is it is it obligatory prediction time? I guess. Uh, where do you think this team will finish? How many games do you think it will win? You don't want to talk about Ari Dickey at all. Should we talk no, about I'm Ari just, Dickey? I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm just trying to upset Sam. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we did two episodes on Ari Dickey already. Oh, that's fine. Um, no, uh, I think uh, I think I think somewhere in the low 90s is probably a a, a fair guess. 92. I guess I'll go 92. Mm-hmm. I think I think they might. Uh, I, I think they're going to be you know with, within a game or two of of the top uh, you know uh, team in the division. So you would, just, you think wild card possibly? I mean, they could be the best team. I I feel like if I have to pick them or you know or the field, I'm going to pick the field. Mm-hmm. Interesting. 
so real quick, uh, one quick thing. I mean, uh, the Marlins were the team that went out and added everybody a year ago, um, and it didn't work, and they tore it down. Um, do you think if this doesn't work, if, if somehow the Blue Jays woefully underperform and you know win 79 games this year, uh, will will they be in teardown mode, or is this a team that could you know that could survive a bad year and, and still have a good future? Um, I think they could survive a bad year and still have a good future. I think a lot of their contracts are going to be m- much more difficult to trade if they have another another bad season. You know, Burley is getting up there in years. If Reyes gets hurt, you know, his marketability drops. Um, and uh, Josh Johnson's a, a free agent after this year, I believe. So I don't, I haven't heard any noise about them trying to extend him. Um, so my guess is that he's going to be there for a year, and and you know they'll see how uh, how healthy he is and 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 go for there go from there you know but it, but uh, but if he's uh, if he gets hurt you know I'm assuming he'll he'll sign elsewhere someone else will give him big money. Did I answer right. your question? I hope I did. Yeah, sure, you did. Okay. So far, no one no one wants to predict uh, a winner for this division. We've done the the Yankees, Rays, and Blue Jays interviews. I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure that the Red Sox writer will <laughs> probably do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so far we have three wild card teams in the AL East. Uh, I, I would tell you guys though, just be, don't listen to a word that the Red Sox writer says. That guy's an idiot. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, uh, stay tuned for the intro Matt mentioned, and then after that, uh, Brendan Kennedy from the Toronto Star. Thank you, Matt. Sure. It may still be winter, but baseball prospectus is ready to play ball. Pete Barrett is taking you around the league with 30 insiders who cover Major League Baseball. Step into the box. The squeeze is on. And welcome to the squeeze. Joining us today on the phone is Brendan Kennedy, who covers the Blue Jays for the Toronto Star. Brendan, you've made this an international show. Thanks for coming on. (laughs) Yeah, my pleasure. Um, I don't believe there's a team heading into this 2013 season with more buzz than the Toronto Blue Jays. There have been jokes that they'll need name tags in camp. Uh, with all the new guys uh, and the guys that have already been there, how do you see this team as an insider, as a guy who's been in the clubhouse, meshing together? Yeah, I mean, on paper, I think uh, they look as good as anybody. Um, but as we know from last year and the success of Baltimore and Oakland, um, you know, it, it's hard to predict until they start playing the games. Um, but there is an incredible buzz around the team right now. Uh, and, you know, there's more excitement uh, on the Jays now in Toronto than there has been since since the early 90s and then the back-to-back World Series years. It, it really hasn't been uh, this exciting uh, around around the team. There hasn't been this excitement around the team since then. Um, but, yeah, on paper, it looks great. I think the, the rotation is really dynamic with the mix of lefties and righties and hard throwers and soft throwers. And uh, the lineup is really flexible, the number of switch hitters that there are. And, um the, the bullpen, I think, is still a bit of a question mark, but yeah, like I said, on paper, they look as good as anybody and, and should be uh, in contention come October. We'll get into more specifics in a minute, but how does this recent spending fit into GM Alex Anthopoulos' plan, and where did all this money come from? Well, I mean, I think Alex has been saying for years that um, when when it was the right time to spend, he had been assured from from Rogers Communications. Uh, the corporation that owns the Blue Jays, um, that the money would be there. So he has been saying that for a number of years, and I think to some extent this has been part of his plan since coming in in, 
in uh, late 2009, um, you know, spending a lot of money in the draft, spending a lot of money on scouting, spending a lot of money in the farm system and developing uh, a lot of prospects. And then this was his off-season when he cashed them in. Uh, I thought it was a bit strange when, when Josh Johnson's agent, uh, I think he was on the radio or somewhere, he was speaking and he said, you know, he thought that, that Josh might be flipped again because it's just not like, you know, Alex Anthopoulos to trade away prospects. You know, he's a guy who hoards prospects. Well, I mean, I think that's, that's really, um, it was really an odd way for, I can't remember the agent's name, but it was really an odd way for him to look at Alex Anthopoulos' plan because he'd only been there for three years. And I think the plan was all, was never to hoard prospects forever. The plan was to, to build up um, a real bank of them uh, for the moment when you cash them in. And I mean, if you look at all the contracts, they mostly all revolve around Jose Batista. And I yeah. think that's been the plan for the last few years that, you know, you kind of, I remember being on the radio locally uh, at the beginning or middle of last year and, and, and the host was asking about, you know, are they going to make a big play at the trading deadline? And I just remember saying, it's, you know, not to say that I was pressing or anything, but it was, you know, it, it was always going to be about 2013, 2014, 2015. Um, and I, Alex hasn't really hid that. I think nobody expected them to make the moves that they did this off season. Uh, but I think the plan all along was to aim for the kind of the end of, of Jose Batista's contract in his prime uh, and, and build a, a contender around, around him. Yeah. And it's obviously no surprise. I love what they're doing. Um, basically maybe reshuffling the American league East. You see, the Blue Jays making a lot of moves. The Orioles last year had a great season. The Rays are always a contender now. Uh, and, and the Yankees and the Red Sox are fighting to stay atop even with their great payrolls. Um, but the Blue Jays made a lot of moves, and I know it's dependent on how the rest of the AL East plays and dependent on the rest of the other 29 teams in baseball. But did they really pick up 20 or so wins in all these moves this offseason? Sorry there. You cut out just towards the end. I didn't hear the end of that question. Sorry. Oh, sure, no problem. Uh, did did they really pick up twenty or so wins this off season? I mean, that's that's a million dollar question or the hundred and twenty million dollar question. Um, <laughs> I think when you look at the rotation, um, I think I think they have like there's serious upgrades there. I mean, if you if you are uh, I mean if you're listening to baseball protected prospectus you're a believer in the wins above replacement stats so uh, as am i um and i think when you look at the pieces that they've added you know it like there's there's still lots of question marks like can jose reyes stay healthy is melky going to be what he was last year without peds right um is burley still going to be you know the guy who throws 200 innings without fail every year um can josh johnson cope with a slightly slower fastball um and is Ari dickie going to be what he was I, I don't know that you can expect all of them to, to live up to their full potential or their best seasons, but when you if you take kind of what they've done over their careers and 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 look at the, their average season or, or look at Dickey the last three years, you know it wasn't just last year that he, um, you know last year was it was an exceptional season for him, but even you know 2010 2011 he was a very good pitcher. Um, so I think when you put all those pieces together with the lineup flexibility and just the fact that they're not going to have to rely on Kobe Rasmus and uh, Brett Laurie at the top of the order, and they can yeah. allow those guys, I mean, I think, to live without carrying the team on their backs uh, and just be, you know, 25, 26-year-olds who are still developing into um, into the players that people think they might become. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there are 20 wins in there. And it just it, it feels kind of foolish to talk about it at this point, but... 
um, you know, the big thing is health. And last year we saw that there was uh, there was a disaster in terms of in terms of health with the, with the Blue Jays, especially the starting pitchers. But where this team is different is that it's better positioned to to handle injuries and to um, not go into a complete tailspin like they did last year. Um, so that I think that would be encouraging for Blue Jays fans. We're talking Blue Jays with Brendan Kennedy here on the Squeeze. You can follow him on Twitter at bkennedystar. One new addition you just talked about was R.A. Dickey. He's one of the four starting pitchers committed to playing in the World Baseball Classic. Uh, the Classic already has rules for pitch counts, but do you know if the Blue Jays plan to contact Greg Maddox or Joe Torre to give them some guidelines on handling Dickey? My understanding is no, that they'll, you know, they'll let them um, pitch according to the rules of the World Baseball Classic. Like you said, there are pitch counts changed around. Um, you know, we spoke with, with Oxenthopolis. He has, I think there's six Blue Jays, um, potentially seven uh, in the World Baseball Classic, uh, which is not as many as Milwaukee, but uh, but still a, a, a big group of players. Yeah. And, you know, Alex said recently, the last time we spoke to him, he's like, as a as a fan of the game, um, you know, uh, he's, he's in favor of the idea of the World Baseball Classic and he wants to support it, but as a GM, he's holding his breath. Um, I think it's uncomfortable for all GMs to see their players compete in this, uh, but at the same time, uh, I think I think Alex Antopoulos is a, is a good soldier in terms of, you know, being a supporter of, of the MLB initiatives, and uh, he's not going to ask for any kind of special treatment or anything like that. He didn't allow Jose Bautista to play. I think that's to be expected since he ended the season on the DL and, you know, hasn't, it's still, you know, hasn't played any games or anything like that. So um, aside from that, all the Blue Jays who were asked uh, are going to participate, and I don't think Antopoulos is going to put any, uh, any reins on them. Interesting. No, I think what works out well, too, is J.P. Aaron Sibia is the catcher for the World Baseball Classic, and he'll be able to learn uh, to catch Dickey a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I guess he's going to deal with a little less familiarity with the other guys. And the thing is, during the season, J.P. is probably not going to catch Dickey that often, and it'll either be, it'll be one of uh, Henry Blanco or Josh Tolley. So, um, but seeing him... You know, getting the catch at any point is, is going to be helpful. Um, I don't know. I mean, the U.S. team, like Joe Torre, might want the other two guys. So my understanding is that Antibia is going to be the third-string catcher for the team. So, um, okay. I, so I, I think maybe Joe Torre might want the other guys spending more time with Dickey. I mean, I don't know how... how uh, I haven't spent enough time watching Dickey in terms of his warm-ups and bullpen routine and that kind of thing seeing how much, because he's a knuckleballer, like, can he throw more bullpen? Can he throw more practice? Like, you know, I know the other guys are pretty restrictive about the, the times between starts, how much they throw. Um, so as a third-string catcher, and he's got to know how many bullpens he's going to get before the, the competition starts the World Baseball Classic. But, um, I mean, the more time they spend together, I think it's probably the better. And uh, spring training is really long, too. If they're gone for a few weeks, I know there's a lot of people fretting about that, but I think there's a, they spend enough time together. It's basically two months um, in Florida. So uh, I think they'll be fine and they'll have enough time to get acquainted. Interesting. Now, just before we finish up here, you mentioned a lot of question marks from Melky to Johnson, Dickey, um, everybody who performed at a greater level maybe last year or returning from injuries or suspicion. 
Another guy who you maybe didn't mention, but I'm sure you're very well aware, there's maybe a little bit of a question mark about, is Edwin Encarnacion. He put up some huge numbers in 2012. 557 slugging percentage, 42 home runs, 110 RBIs, uh, well above his normal stats. And that's nine seasons into his career. Where did all this power come from? Well, I mean, in one extent, he, he made an adjustment to his swing. He shortened up the, uh, he shortened up his swing in terms of, I don't want to get too technical here because I might make a mistake, but basically um, he has a quicker load in his hands um, and he's, he's got a, a shorter swing and, a, and he's keeping, um, keeping both hands uh, on the bat all the way through the fall. So that's something that Dwayne Murphy, the Jays hitting coach, worked on him uh, in the offseason. Uh, and towards the end of, of 2011, if you look at his numbers towards the end of 2011, you start to see a real uptick. Um, so that's part of it. Also getting him off of third base, uh, which happened midway through 2011. Uh, you know, if you look at his, his splits, his 2011 splits, um, you know, when he was playing third base compared to when he was at first base in DH, and it's a dramatic, uh, dramatic difference in his offense. Uh, and he says it, it didn't affect anything, but it's clear that, that, you know, his his poor play, poor defensive play at third base was affecting him at the plate in terms of just kind of, I think, being comfortable in the game. Um, but there was also the, that uh, adjustment to his swing. Um, and I, you're right, I don't think we can expect him to be as good as he was uh, in 2012. Um, but I don't think we can... I, I think that he has made significant improvements technically and kind of just... Um, uh, physically and mentally in terms of in the game that I think that you can count on him to be, you know, uh, a premier guy in the middle of the lineup. Um, again, it's, it's, it'll just be a health issue and, and whether, you know, if, if he can share some time with Adam Lind at first base, and that's another big question mark with the Jays is what kind of player they're going to get from Adam Lind. Um, and because if he's playing first base every day, he started to have a bit of a foot problem last year. Um, if he can get a couple days a week or at least one game a week uh, at the DH spot, I think that would help him stay healthy for the full year. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I have every reason to believe that, that he'll be something resembling what he was in 2012, if not, uh, if not as good as he was. Brandon, it's going to be an interesting season north of the border. We're going to follow your coverage for the Toronto Star. Thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, thanks for any time. I'm a big reader of baseball perspectives, so um, it's, a, it's a thrill of being on the podcast. Great to hear. Thanks so much, Brandon.